0: Okay, big fat oops on my part, and my apologies. If you listened last week, you heard me talking about getting Date to Find Your Soulmate for 99 cents on Amazon, and I had the wrong Tuesday. It's actually tomorrow, Tuesday, February 2nd. So pop on over to Amazon.com and get that at that great price. Might be there a couple extra days but I'd pop over and get that right away just to make sure. You can search for Date to Find Your Soulmate on Amazon or use the link in the show notes. Okay, mom, have you heard yourself saying or thinking, I don't have time. I don't have time for self-care. I don't have time to take care of everything I need to do. I don't have time to do what I want to do. I don't have time to work. I don't have time to follow my passion. I don't have time to dream. If you're having trouble finding time, I have some help for you. Just go to sandyfowler.com forward slash find time. And there's a free video to get you started on finding the time for what matters most to you.
1: Welcome to Mighty Parenting, the podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults.
0: Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20 somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, stress relief coach, emotional wellness speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting podcast, reminding you to go to mightyparenting.com and get your free email series on how to talk to your teen. We all have difficult days with our teenagers, but some kids are more intense than others. Some of our kids will leave us wondering if we'll ever have a good relationship and if any form of discipline will work. Christine Abrams knows all about this. She is a licensed counselor who also trains parents in the nurtured heart approach. This approach allows parents to help their kids shift behaviors and build respect while also helping kids use their intensity in successful ways. So Christine, I am excited to learn more about this. Welcome
1: to Mighty Parenting. Thanks so much, Sandy. I'm really excited to be with you today.
0: So we all have our moments with our kids or our periods of time with our kids where things might be stressful or difficult or we feel a lot of pushback. But what indicates that a child is actually intense? Are there certain behaviors we might see or something else that might indicate to us that we have an intense child?
1: Oh, this is a great question. And I I know parents out there know what their intense child looks like. But it's it's a kid, think of a kid who's breaking the rules all the time, pushing boundaries, escalating conversations, right, arguing with their parents, because they are determined to get their way. And finally, out of just frustration and exhaustion, a parent will say, fine, fine, okay, I give in, because they just don't want to to um, argue anymore and you know often we'll describe that child as difficult or bad defiant maybe oppositional challenging and that's really the picture of the intense child and teenagers can be particularly intense right they can really push your buttons and get you going and then have a big old fight with you and then they you know will storm off and so you know everybody has a level of intensity adults do too But um, we wanna be able to look at that intensity and try to find different adjectives. So for example, we might find other words like they're spirited or sensitive or energetic. Some parents will say that, right? And that's true to a point, but we wanna take this power, this energy and transform it into something that will serve them uh, in life, just as we've taken our intensity and each of us are intense to a certain degree and have used it to propel ourselves forward. In a really positive direction if that makes sense
0: it does and i have to say i'm curious so we went from using words like difficult bad defiant oppositional to saying spirited sensitive energetic what would be the next level what kinds of words can we use that are actually not just positive words but more
1: empowering words okay that's great so Unfortunately, sometimes intensity, I just want to go back to that for a second, is labeled or is psychopathologized, right? So, if anybody, if you're all familiar with the DSM 5, that's the tome of everything that could be possibly wrong with you from a mental health perspective. Nowhere does it define good mental health. So, you'll have in there ADHD, oppositional defiant, um, all of these terms that describe intensity. And I'm not saying children don't have ADHD, et cetera. But when we label kids right off the bat, that says to them, I am so intense, I have to have a label and no one can handle me. So what we try to do in Nurtured Heart is look at the child's intensity and find what's right about it. So let me, I can give you a classroom example. So you have your child that's a constant talker in class and you know that will drive teachers crazy. And so instead of yelling at them and saying, you know, you can't be talking, I'm sending you to the dean, you might say, wow, Sally, I love how verbal you are. You may want to take that, that really great verbal ability you have and join the debate team. I think that would be awesome. And maybe you want to show me competency or mastery of a subject by going up in front of the room and doing a, an oral report. I just love that about you right? And so that's a positive. Kids might say, so if you have a child who argues with you all the time, you could say, wow, you know, I really don't want to argue, but I have to say, you know, your intensity right now and your passion about what we're arguing about is very striking to me. And, you know, maybe you want to think about as a career, possibly being a litigator, because you really, you know, you're very passionate about what you're passionate about. And you will you know bring that forward so that's the kind of thing we want to look at we want to turn everything on its head and not berate the child right and and the whole point of the intensity and the way they're using it in a quote-unquote negative way is to really have a deep connection with their parents so although parents might get frustrated i always say and this is a good sign I would much rather have my child be intense and challenge me or break the rules than completely ignore me, shut their door, and never speak because then I don't know what's going on. So this tells me they really want to connect to me deeply. Now, what they've learned is that to connect deeply to their parents, they have to break the rules and notch that up all the time because the worse their behavior is, the more energy they get from their parents, right? So you yell, you reprimand, you lecture, you punish all this stuff, and it's it's not great, but at least they're getting connection. Just think of when the child comes home right away and does their homework, and that's unusual. we don't even notice it half the time, or just say, "Oh yeah, good job." So we pale you know our response when they're doing something right pales in comparison to when they're doing something wrong, and so they learn that the love language is, wow, you love me way more intensely when I'm doing something to break the rules. Although that's not the parent's um, uh, intention at all. Parents love their children. And when they do respond over the top, over something that a child is doing, it's really from a place of love. Children are great observers. They're not great interpreters. So they'll see all that energy and interpret that as, okay, so I have to be bad, quote unquote, in order to get you, your love, your intensity, your energy, your attention. When they're not being bad, they, get, they don't get anything because parents are like, good. All's quiet, I don't, no news is good news and they're doing what they're supposed to do. But why not give them that? Why not give them intensity for that? right? And connect to them that way. And when you connect to them that way, then they realize, oh, I don't have to break the rules to get my mom's attention and love. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what I'm wondering about is
0: you're talking about connecting. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing is just examples of attention. Mm-hmm. This needs to not that everything needs to be, that building, a, it doesn't sound like building a deep connection necessarily means that you have to be constantly having deep, meaningful conversations or big, huge, um, event-oriented time together or something. I'm hearing you. You're
1: absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's the quality and of the attention and it's the quality that you're getting from your parents, right? It's not necessarily an event, because things can go awry if you spend time with them. It can go awry at any time. But what you want to do is make them feel that you recognize their greatness. Because every child has greatness. But because we've been, in a sense, hardwired to look for what's going wrong, you know, back when we were cave people, right? If these bushes were swaying, now we look at them and say, oh, how beautiful. It's a beautiful, lovely fall day, and they're swaying. Back in the day, it could have been a tiger's behind those bushes, and you've got to be on high alert, so you're always looking for something to go wrong here, because you've got to survive. We don't have to do that anymore with our children, right? And really, it comes from a deep place of, of fear and concern for our children when they're behaving inappropriately, because it's, sometimes we feel it's a reflection on us. Um, sometimes we feel like, oh, my goodness, if I don't correct this behavior immediately, something's going to go awry with my child and his life, and he won't or she won't be successful. No, no, right? It's really about the connection, and the connection is formed by recognizing their greatness. And when a parent recognizes that in a child, it's golden. It is so meaningful to them because you're the primary caregiver, right? I, and, and then your child will open up to you. So I had an example of a, um, a teen, a mom came into one of our parent training. She says, Oh my gosh, I have to tell you what happened. We're like, what? She said, My son came to me and said, mom, he was a ninth grader for, you know, a uh, first semester, ninth grader. Mom, um, you know, I have to ask you about something. She's like, what, hun?" He said, uh, my friends have been looking at naked girls and all of these pornographic uh, videos on, um, online. And I, I'm uncomfortable with it, but I'm, but they're doing it and I'm not sure what, why, what this, what all, I don't understand what this is all about. Well, she had to take a breath, right? And then said to him, wow, I love the way you came to me uh, to ask me about this. That probably took a lot of courage on your part because it's a really uncomfortable uh, discussion to have, but thank you so much. So let's talk that through." And she said to me, if it hadn't been for the nurtured heart approach, he would have never come to her. He would have been embarrassed. He wouldn't have trusted her. He thought he would have been yelled at, right? And so her first initial response was, oh my God, But then when she reset herself and took a breath, she was able to manage the situation in an unenergized way other than to acknowledge him for bringing that to her attention.
0: So in in these scenarios where we are not remembering to take the time to acknowledge our kids say quote-unquote, good behaviors, things that mm-hmm. don't set up a red flag going, oh, as a parent, I need to do something about this, right? This is right. just, oh, my kid's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Is, are there other things that we do as parents that add to the natural intensity in our kids?
1: Well, sure. So, for example, if um, sometimes parents, again, from a place of love, really micromanage their children's lives, and what happens is the children gets the message, not that you love me so much that you want to make sure you take care of me and that I don't make any mistakes uh, you know, because you want me to be successful. They're getting the message, I, I really am not capable because if I get a poor grade in school, mom is going to immediately call the teacher and have a discussion. Um, and I don't really have a chance to advocate for myself. If I make a mistake, it's, it's almost the end of the world because my parents are very concerned about that mistake. What we need to do, and, and so then children will either withdraw or just fight you at every step. I had a student whose father was so intense, he was an intense man, and was punishing his child for all the mistakes by taking away electronics. And he said to me one day, oh yeah, I got my computer back. I said, oh, how long were you without a computer? He said, oh, about two months. And I said, I forget why dad took that away. He says, oh, I don't care. He said, I don't even remember. It doesn't matter to me. He can take whatever he wants. It's not going to make me change my behavior. And they dig in, right? Because they're feeling, they're feeling disconnected. And so um, what you want to do is, is empower your children, right? And, and make them believe in themselves. So, you know, what I tell parents, and they really, they get a little upset about this. When I say, you know, um, if your child fails a class, what's it? Yeah. So, and they're like, well, he can't fail. I said, yeah, he can. He can always have the option to fail. And I know kids who will make it a point to do poorly in school to get their parents go and to get the parents activated because you can't control your child. Teenagers especially cannot control like that. And so what I say to the child is there have to be other ways to explain this to your parents without destroying your academic career. Right, because they're capable, and when parent, you know, when I say to a parent, this is um, part of nurtured heart too. It's stand three acts, you know, clear rules and consequences. And I'm working with a parent now who I say, listen, if your son fails, here's what you say, okay, hon, If you're going to fail, that's on you. Here's here's the consequence. You have to go to summer school, and if you're not going to do that, you're going to have to repeat it the next year. And unfortunately, you're going to be in in classes with underclassmen. But the rule is you must graduate. So you're going to have to figure out how to do that. Now she tried this with him last semester during COVID, because he was just tanking. The online environment didn't work for him, and um, she let it go. She said, "Okay, you know, you want to take a pass fail, which was an option." He said, "Yes." Gave him the pass fail, and then she said, "Here's the rules for next next semester. The rule is you have to pass, and if you don't." Again, summer school, or you have to repeat it. But she did it in an unenergized way. She didn't scream at him and and say, you better not, blah, blah, none of that. And he's been doing fine. It's kind of amazing. And she said they have such a better relationship. And he actually said to her mom, thank you. I really appreciate you trusting me to take control of this. And it put her at ease. And she still gets a little anxious when, you know, she's watching the grades go down but she just takes a breath and says, you know, I trust that you'll manage this. And then gives him a lot of, a lot of acknowledgments for doing well where he is doing well and helping. And it's like parent is consultant, right? So you want to be your child's consultant. They have to make a decision. You talk to them, you trust them enough to, to talk to them and say, okay, let's talk about the pros and the cons. And what do you want to do? Now they may not want to do what you think they should do, but they will do but but it's okay to give them that leeway to make a decision for themselves and if they fail it's okay too because that's how we learn we make mistakes and we learn and so i think it's hard for parents to get comfortable with that but that helps because that will help reduce the intensity that's being displayed in a negative way and
0: i think you hit the nail on the head there is it is hard as a parent mm-hmm. so- Oh, and I do know, you know, a couple of the benefits for the parent are, as you said, we get a better relationship with our child. And actually, it takes stress off of us and our child. Yes. Because, yes, the relationship is better, but also, as the parent, we're not then trying to figure out how to get them to do things. Yes. We're just saying, this is it. And then you can stop worrying about it. I, That's when I right. this with my kids, when I first started realizing I needed to back off more, I just kept in my head, I would go, you know, not my job, not my business, not my circus, <laughs> not my monkeys. Yes. <laughs> you know? I love that phrase. Yes. <laughs> just keep telling myself that. And That's that was, right. that was something that worked for me. What recommendations do you have for parents? Cause I I know there are people sitting there and it's like, you know, if they're in the car, they're probably white knuckling the steering wheel going, <laughs> really, just, just let them
1: take the reins, I but, know. but, but. <laughs> I know. Well, okay. So that, so there's this in nurtured heart. There's something called stand one. I will not energize any negativity. Now it's kind of like a bait and switch. When I teach parents is they think they're coming in and I'm going to give them ways to help their children. But no, nurtured heart's a way to really work on yourself as well. So when you're not giving into negativity or you're not energizing it, that means you're not going to energize it in your child. But more importantly, you're not going to energize it in yourself. You know, think of your day. At the end of your day, you come home and and when you reflect on your day, do you say, oh, wow, I had a great day. I did this right. I did that right. No, you're getting the, oh, I should have done this. Oh, I didn't do that. Well, oh, I should... And it's on and on, and you're just piling stuff on yourself, and you don't feel so great, right? And so the same thing with your kids. It's, it's fear-based. It's, oh, my gosh, um, you know, my child's not doing this. How do I get him to do that? No, right? And so that's also negativity. That's self-talk. And, and as you have great self-talk right there, Sandy. I want to energize you for that for having the wherewithal to say that to yourself, not my circus, not my monkeys, this is his thing, I'm gonna let it go, because you want to de-stress. And you're the role model for your child. So if they can see you calm and de-stressed, they're gonna take that on too. Because as you know, and all parents know, anxiety and depression have skyrocketed in this country. And what we need to do, oh yeah, we need to be models of composure and reason, and unenergizing stuff that's going bad. There's not much you can do, right? So, if you have a flood in your house, what are you gonna do? You're gonna scream, yell, and say, oh my gosh, why did it happen to me? Or you say, wow, there's a flood. I have to call the insurance company. It's hard to do because you're activated, right? And so, that's where you can breathe, where you can just watch the thoughts, and then you do the self talk. Okay, this isn't the end of the world. I can take care of this. You know, my child failed the class, not the end of the world. They're not gonna be homeless you know, we, you know, he'll, he knows what the rules are. Right. And so that's what you try to do to calm yourself in that moment.
0: Okay. So to not energize any negativity, negativity. some of the things you said we can do, we can breathe. Yes. So I know there are lots of different breathing techniques. You want to just share uh, one, your favorite or the one that you find that your clients like best?
1: Yes, it's just to, um, I like to do the, the counting. So I, it's, I do an eight count in breath, a four count hold, and an eight count exhale. And that really helps calm your nervous system down. Because remember, when you're anxious or fearful, Your brain is in fight or flight at that moment. Your amygdala has hijacked you, and there is no rational thought going on. And same thing for kids. So what you want to do is breathe and get your prefrontal cortex back engaged. The other thing that I've I've actually taught this to kids is to look at your hands and then look at the floor. Look at your hands, look at the floor. For anxiety, I always say to parents, for yourselves, have difficult math problems nearby and start doing them because that engages a different part of the brain. And you're no longer, you know, you have refocused your attention on something and that helps calm you down. And then you can think. And that's the, that's the thing. My rule of thumb for myself and everyone who I talk to is if I get highly emotional about something, highly triggered, it's my problem, not the person I'm dealing with because I've been triggered. And what's important when parents, anybody, you have a free moment it's good to reflect on when you were triggered, even by your children, and say, okay, so I was triggered because my son came home past curfew tonight. I got really angry. Why? What what was I thinking? Was I fearful? Where, Where did this happen to me before? You know, and the idea is to sort of unearth where that's coming from, if you can, and say, okay, Because then if you have knowledge of it, right, it may have come from your your past, legitimately so, you can say, okay, I named that demon right there. And, you know, next time I feel it coming up, I'll say, "Mm -mm, no, I'm not engaging in you. And that's a great way to get a hold of those thoughts and those feelings that can hijack you and create chaos. I mean, and what I say to parents is, listen, how many of you promise never to sound like your parents when you have your child, all the hands go up. And then I say one fine day, little Joey does something and all of a sudden you are channeling your mom or your dad right there. And you say, Oh my goodness. I, how did that happen? Right. Cause that's all we know. And so what we want to do is get a handle on that.
0: Well, and I, I like what you said there too, about when we understand where something came from, you you can say, okay, I named that demon. That's another way that we can connect with our kids too, because we can go back and say, Hey, I'm sorry that I lost my cool. Or I, you know, I yes. thank you for appreciating and letting me go take a few minutes to myself. Yes. I figured out what it is that triggered me if it's something that is reasonable for you to talk to them about there's certainly things they're not appropriate to tell kids but if it's something like hey i realized that i got triggered because i had a teacher yell at me in front of the class or i you know i missed the the winning touchdown pass or whatever it was but i got triggered and this is what happened you can talk to them about it and you can even bring them in on the idea of, okay, if that comes up for me again, I'm going to be like, you know, and maybe name that demon and give it some kind of goofy name. And it creates this, this deeper bond, this language between you. And it does this turning the tables thing that, our teens love, right? Where it's kind of putting them in the parent's seat.
1: Where it's yes.
0: ongoing, oh, I have to work on something and you can help
1: me or you can call me out if you see this. Yes, no, that's perfect. And that's part of stand three, right? Clear rules and consequences. The consequence is when you're getting upset or your child is upset and you both know you're gonna go at it, You say, okay, let's both reset for a minute. And that just means let's take a break to calm down and get back to a successful point. And yes, if it was your fault and you overreacted, it's perfect to say, you know, honey, I am so sorry. You know, I'm glad we took the reset. And look at how quickly you reset. I love that. I know, I know you want to yell, but you didn't. And let me tell you, yeah, this came from a deep place and absolutely have the discussion that they love that, right? Because and you're being vulnerable. You don't have to be perfect for your children. It actually is comforting to know, okay, mom made that mistake too, or she, that's bothering her. And I see how mom handled it in this moment. That's what I'm going to do. Mom, how'd you, how'd you reset yourself? I breathe, honey. How do you reset yourself? Oh, I like to listen to my music, so I'll go to my room and reset. Great. It's wonderful.
0: So talk to us. You mentioned this idea of resetting ourselves. What does mm-hmm. that mean?
1: That means you take a moment to get yourself under control, you pause, and it gives you the chance to get back to being successful, right? Because so sometimes when you have a fight with your parent or children have fights with their parents, they both go away steaming and mad. And then later the parent comes back with lecturing, I'm punishing you. And and the, the child never has a chance to feel that they can get back in their parents' good graces. This gives you an opportunity to do that, right? It's almost like a video game because I know a lot of kids play video games. Why do they play video games? They are highly successful at them. Because the game allows them to be successful, right? So when you play a video game and you do something that you're supposed to do, lots of bells and whistles, lots of coins, whatever it is, right? Big energy. When you, when you make a mistake, you're out for 30 seconds, no harm done. You're not getting lectured. You're not getting punished. You're not getting yelled at. You're not getting demeaned. And then you're back in the game. And what happens to the child at that point? They want to be even more successful. So they keep at it. They're motivated to be successful. And that's what the reset does because the game gives you a reset. And so as a parent, if you say, and I don't like to say to a child, I need you to reset now. I like to say, let's both of us reset because I I know parents are going to be activated in that situation too. And basically you withdraw your energy from the child. The child realizes, okay, I have a chance to calm myself down. And you may have had the discussion ahead of time. I'm going to call a reset when we're both getting very emotional and angry. And let's talk about how we can reset ourselves. Here's what I do to calm down. Honey, what do you do to calm down? So they have their, their bag of, um, of tricks. And then they, they step away. and Maybe some kids will go to their room and calm down. And that's great. And as soon as they're calm, you, you get in there. Thanks so much for calming down. I, I know that you're still angry. But look at you. You're really controlling your emotions right now. That's amazing maturity. Um, I love that about you. Okay, honey. So, you know, let's move on. And, and if you, we can talk about this later, we can talk about it now, but here's what we need to do. And you just, and you do it in an unenergized way. You don't scream at him and say, you're going to erase that. No, you don't do that. It's just, let's take a reset because you're going to need one too. And that's a beautiful thing to show your child. Well, and can I would think that oftentimes it would also just be only be the parent who needs a reset. Absolutely. And it's even better when you say to your child, honey, I need a reset now because I'm going to blow. So give me a minute, we'll get back. And then you go do your thing. If you know you're successful when your child says, Sandy, I think you need to reset. Now you can't get angry, right? They called you out on it because they're very perceptive. and it's And if you can take it in that moment, And say, honey, you're absolutely right. Thanks for pointing that out. And go and reset. Oh, my gosh. Your child will be amazed. And they'll be like, oh, my Lord. My mom really, really, you know, really is there for me. She heard what I had to say. Mm -hmm. And so this bag of tricks for (laughs) resetting that you mentioned, (laughs) will you share some? (laughs) Sure. Well, for kids... Right? I'd um, ask kids, how do you reset? Well, I, like to, I just like to go up to my room, shut the door, and listen to music. Um, I'll start reading. I'll take a walk. I'll run. Um, you know, I'll hum. They have a whole bunch of ways to do it. But the key is to separate yourself, to give yourself space so you can calm down the nervous system. And parents, they will often say, yeah, I'll listen to music or I'll just deep breathe or I'll try to meditate for five minutes you um, I'll maybe go in the kitchen and start preparing dinner what I mean it's whatever works for you to get your mind off of that highly emotional moment
0: so I get that how do you re-enter the conversation you know you were in something that was obviously emotionally triggering mm-hmm. and you can distract your mind for a little mm-hmm. bit mm-hmm But how do you keep from just getting re-triggered as soon as you start talking about it again?
1: Well, that takes, now that's your responsibility as the parent, right? So let's say, I don't know, um, uh, the siblings were were shouting at each other and you said, everybody needs to reset. And you're really upset because you're hungry. You've had a long day. You have a headache. They both go to their corners to reset. And then you invite them back once they're calm. And you say, and you have to be calm and you don't have to be perfect, but you have to you know get control and you say to them okay thanks for for you know resetting so quickly i love the control you have of your emotions now we know what the rule is there's no and then they start again again you just do a reset or if you start getting activated again you reset you keep resetting yourself and them until everybody's calm and you can actually get together to talk something through and sometimes there has to there doesn't have to be a conversation They've stopped the behavior that was, you know, inappropriate, and then you invite them back in. They know when they break the rules, Sandy, because you know, on video games, there's no handle. They know exactly when they break the rules. And I'm not saying we're not advocating for video games, but I'm just saying it's such a logical situation. It's logical. So they know that they shouldn't be shouting, right? And sometimes when they've reset and you've acknowledged them for that, they may even apologize to each other just out of the blue because they realize they broke the rule. They know what the rules are. And if they don't, you can post them on the refrigerator, no problem. Here are the rules. Here are the house rules.
0: Okay. So for simpler things, I see that. If we find ourselves dealing with maybe a long-term problem, underlying issue, something that has a deeper emotional base for us, what are your thoughts on saying, okay, I need to reset, let's talk about this tomorrow like
1: tomorrow after school is that absolutely let's reset on this now and then but always get let the child back in wow thanks for that quick reset you know what let's let this lie till tomorrow so we'll talk about it after school and then a day's gone by you're both calm and then you can bring it up but always in an unenergized way no yelling no reprimanding no punishing it's humiliating and it takes power away from children. And let's face it, children don't have a lot of power, right? And, and so they, they build up resentment when we steal their power. That's why we have to really help them be empowered. And by giving them that break, and that's, that's a wonderful, I mean, it's a perfect suggestion, giving them a day to talk about it the next day in a really loving, supportive way to make them feel, okay, not to be frightened, There's going to be no repercussions. Let's see what happens, you know, and we'll figure out what has to happen going forward. And if they broke a serious rule and there's a real consequence, then that has to be, you know, like, here's the consequence. You know, if they've been drunk driving, that's bad, right? No point in getting yelling at them. Are you safe? Okay. You know, here's what the consequence is. You're going to have to lose your license. I know you're angry about that right now. And I know you're upset, but Let's reset, get control, that's, that's just the way it is. And in school in particular, because they're institutional consequences that you can't avoid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and this teaches them how to accept the consequence and move on from it. It's not a life sentence. It seems that when,
0: when we're in those emotionally reactive states that it's really more about manipulation than it is about communication Yeah, that we're, you know, through our, our emotional outburst is not necessarily consciously, but we're trying to shape their behavior or, or get a message across through essentially emotional
1: manipulation. You know, when you do this, my way, I'm not like this. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's, and it's unconscious, right? I no one goes out saying, I'm going to manipulate my child into this look, a lot of us have been raised this way. That's what we know. And so, yes, so it is emotional manipulation, but I don't think in the moment the parent is thinking I'm going to emotionally manipulate my child. It's like, I want to shape the behavior. I want them to do what I want them to do because I know it will make them successful and it's the right thing. And then teenagers and you know, will dig their heels in. And I tell parents, you can never force a teenager to do anything. And so when they're doing the right thing, let's talk about that and and honor them for that because that's really important. Because at any moment, a teenager can always choose to break the rules. Any moment. We have no control over that. And that's part of it too. We love to have control. That's a hard one to swallow. You mean I really don't have control over my child? No, not unless you lock him in his room and throw away the key and have a little sliding door where you can send food into him, but then you can't even force him to eat.
0: Right, right. You just as you said, you can't do that. So you can't if you've been parenting differently, if you know, if your deep emotional concern for your child, as we said, this is where this all comes from, is Mm -hmm. wanting what's good for our child. Yes. If that's been kind of ruling the roost, ruling the relationship, how how, does the, how do teens typically take to this when parents start shifting <laughs> their approach to parenting? Oh, that's a great
1: question. Excuse me, I had parents come in and say, I started acknowledging my, like one, one, uh, one of her kids uh, took a snack and he left a snack for his sister, which he never has done before. And she said, Wow, look at you. You left a snack for your sister. That tells me how you really love her and you're really kind and caring. He said, Mom, are you on an antidepressant? <laughs> and she, I swear to you. And she's like, "No." He says, "Okay." And he walks away. Some of them, more intense kids, will say, "Just stop that. I don't. I don't like what you're saying." Now, they're intense. So they're. We call this their their portfolio of wealth. They're. they're it's almost like your your picture of yourself, right? To you, and they often will see themselves as bad, not achieving. There's nothing they could do. That's right. And they can't accept that kind of acknowledgement or, or energizing because they don't feel good about themselves. And it doesn't matter how they got it. We can't replace it. But what we can do is create a, a bigger and a better portfolio of wealth that will hopefully be his, the, per, the child's go-to. So it's hard for them to accept all this, this great language. They've never heard it from you before. So it can be as simple as noticing what they're doing, like oh, Joey, I noticed you came in and sat down at the table right away when I when I said dinner was ready, and then just walk away. Now, unless they're delusional, they can't fight with that because that's the truth of the matter right there, right? And then once they get used to that and they're able to assimilate that, you can add things like that shows me that you're a really good listener and you're responsible because we all wanted to have dinner at the same time, right? And so then they see, oh, my gosh, Yeah, I am like that. And this is the key to social emotional learning, in my opinion, because usually it's taught in school by a lesson. Today we're going to learn responsibility. Okay, kids are good students. They'll they'll listen, they'll write, they'll take tests, it'll show that they know, but they don't necessarily enact it or know what it really means for them because they've been told a lot they're irresponsible at home and at school. So when they're caught being responsible, and you can point that out to them in that moment... That's a first-hand experience for them. They now assimilate and say, "Wow, I am responsible. Nice. Yeah, that's what it means. I got it now. I am responsible. That's what we want our children to have. We want them to assimilate these qualities that are there that they're demonstrating, but we just don't. We don't look for them. It's like you know. Here's I always use this example. When I bought my um, Volkswagen Beetle, I hadn't seen any Beetles in my neighborhood until I decided to buy a Volkswagen Beetle. Then I I swear to God, everybody had a Beetle in my neighborhood. It was fascinating because I was looking for that.
0: Yeah. And it also seems to me that that can be a stepping stone for parents too, because we're going to be learning to do something new Mm -hmm. and we may not be capable yet or we That's might right. be we might have moments where we're just like we're too tired we can't function to yes. think through the entire you did That's this right. and that means no. but i right. can certainly no. say hey i noticed you came to the table right away yes
1: and you can even Absolutely. thank you, <laughs> you know? yes exactly and and we have to learn as parents to look at our own greatness right so even you can say wow after a big uh blowout or something and everybody's resetting, you should say to yourself, Man, I have the greatness of patience in this moment. It could have been a lot worse. Yay, for me. You have to be able to build yourself up. Because if you can't do that, your children won't be able to, because you hold the energy in the family. They respond to your energy. So if you if you can recognize this in yourself, what your greatness is, it'll be easier for them. I used to run a group of girls, and I would say, um, okay, ladies, tell me three things you love about yourselves. Crickets, not a word. Okay, ladies, what, what do you find challenging about yourself? Goodness gracious, the list could have gone on for the full 58 minutes. And it's, and, but there was so much greatness right there, and they didn't see it. They didn't have the words for it.
0: Yeah. I love this approach, Christine. And I appreciate, well, and it, it fits in so beautifully with the other ideas that we share here on Mighty Parenting. And so I, yeah. you know, I feel like that would just slide right in there. And I appreciate um, all that you shared with us. For our listeners who are interested in the Nurtured Heart approach or want more from you, could you share your website, please?
1: Sure. It's um, www whole life healing, all one word.net. And Sandy, I can't tell you how thankful I am. You gave me this opportunity because this truly is my life's work right now. I just see how it enriches the lives of parents and builds better relationships with their children. And that is so meaningful to me. That's all I want to do is help parents and kids connect on a deep level.
0: Well, I love that, Christine, and thank you for taking the time to be here with us and to share your insights and examples and information. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you again.
0: Mighty parents, thank you for being here. If you like the podcast, then please rate, review, and share it, and be sure to pass it along to another parent. And remember, we have the free email series for you on how to talk to your teen over at MightyParenting.com. Thank you for joining us today and for being part of the Mighty Parenting community. Remember, you are a mighty parent. You got this. I will see you next week.